Thank you for joining us for Revive the Drive, a ministry of the Bethany Fellowship of Churches. We live in a world where time is a precious commodity. One of the avenues for reviving our souls is the necessary commute to and from the many places our schedules take us. As the wheels of the car begin to turn, join our panel and set the wheels of your mind in motion as you consider the significance and impact of theology on everyday life. Let's listen in as our pastors talk theology. Welcome to Revive the Drive. I'm Art Georges. I'm joined in the studio by Rich Burkle and Daniel Bennett. And we are on the topic of marriage and family. And in this session, we would like to discuss what the relationship, a healthy relationship, looks like with the family and the local church. Uh, Guys, um, what should, biblically speaking, what should the uh, relationship and the commitment of the family look like to the local church? And where would we find that in Scripture? I think as we look at how Scripture describes the church, we see that the imagery uh, of, of the church is often as a, an enlarged family. We we understand that we're the, the family of God. And so the the model that we have for the church is, all, is based upon what we see in, in Scripture regarding the family. And God calls the family, the nuclear family, if you will, to, to be heavily involved in the church. It's the church is the means by which God has ordained that ministry takes place, and so the family is called to ministry, and therefore the the family is called to to ministry through uh, through Christ's church. Yeah, Jesus says some powerful things, doesn't he, about uh, the church as a family, um, or at least those who follow him. You know, he says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. He's 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 again calling uh, us to make him Jesus the top priority relationship in our life, and uh, uh, again when when he calls us to hate, he, he's not calling us to to think ill of or have animosity toward. He, he's just simply saying um, that uh, when it comes to the the first priority commitment, these are rejected in favor of this that. All other family relationships are set aside in in favor of this relationship with with himself, and and then he goes on. You know, his his own mom and and brothers came to him at, uh, in Luke eight, and the crowds because the crowds they weren't able to reach him, and so someone was told, someone came in and told Jesus, "Hey, your mom and your your brothers are here," and and he answered by saying, by saying, "My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it." I think these things say something about Jesus' perception of, uh, regarding the community which he's creating surrounding himself. He's not demeaning or diminishing the the physical, biological family. Those relationships are still intact, and all the commands related to them are, are still still in view. But he is saying this is a family. This is this is the very center of life for for those who who follow me. Okay. Now, sometimes we uh, meet Christian families that uh, have a loose relationship to a local church body, and they actually take refuge in their connections to a group like a Christian school and the families and parents that belong to that, um, and, and their activities and involvement there seems to trump 
their commitment and involvement in the local church. How would we counsel a family like that? I think this is one of the the, the biggest uh, struggles the church among conservative, you know, so-called conservative families uh, faces is a, a very unbiblical view of what the church is and, and what the family is, even is. So I would I would go so far as to suggest that some people have an idolatrous view of the family. So the family has uh, taken a a place in their life that God says is inappropriate. We're called to love our children. We're called to uh, love our spouse, and yet uh, at the same time we're called to to bring them into to service of the church. And so sometimes as people uh, have this this view of their family, it's a view of their family that's that's uh, unbiblical and uh, re- even unhistorical. So if I say, you know, my immediate family is my congregation, and I kind of bring in some Bible verses that talk about the family, what I, what I need to understand is even those passages that are talking about familiar responsibilities are sometimes referring to broader than just mom, dad, and, and 2.5 children. Uh, there's a, a responsibility in, in that cult, in the certainly in the first century Jewish culture uh, of understanding that the family represented uh, larger relationships. And then scriptures, as it describes family, extends those uh, familial obligations to one another to extend to, to people who aren't related biologically, but now are related spiritually. So for example, in Ephesians chapter two, as he talks about the reconciliation that takes place in, in Jesus Christ, Paul says that, that uh, God, in Christ did away with those things that divide us, make, made peace in verse 15 of Ephesians 2, so that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the Christ, thereby killing the hostility. And then verse 18, for through Christ we both have access in one spirit to the Father, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, and you are members of the household of God. And so if you conduct your little nuclear family in such a way that violates the obligations you have to the members of your family that are part of the household of God, then then you've really violated in a significant way what God's intent is for you as a, as a parent. The, the concern that often drives that is, is that if, if I let something else take focus, then my biological family is going to suffer as a result of it. And you know the truth is is that when whenever we are walking in obedience to Christ in obedience to the will of God as as uh, expressed and revealed through Scripture, we never need to fear that any other relationship is going to suffer. It's mm-hmm. only going to thrive. I I'm very thankful that you know I grew up in a in a very very healthy home. Uh, my dad I was first generation Christian. My mom had grown up in a Christian family and. My dad learned a lot about family and and right commitments uh, through my mom's family, but um, first I I never questioned uh, my parents' commitment to our biological family, but second I never questioned my parents' commitment to the church, mm-hmm. and and uh, sometimes there were times I, I remember Sunday nights um, when uh, we were, I was we we had been as children you know settling into our home and. And uh, you know, after an afternoon of, of having supper together and and talking, and and at six o'clock, maybe it was even five thirty at night, it was uh, the wonderful world of Disney would come on television, and and there were very very few children's programs um, at 
that time. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, he didn't have DVDs or video uh, tape recorders. So to watch a children program was very special. And Tinkerbell would come on the screen, uh, you know, and, and her magic wand would come over the, the Magic Kingdom castle. And then my dad would get up and turn off the TV <laughs> and time to go to church. <laughs> And I always wondered, oh, but this would be such a special family time to be able to watch <laughs> the show together. You know? I don't understand. Why didn't you just record it? So Right, exactly. <laughs> Why didn't you watch it later on the internet? But, yes, exactly. So, so you know, again, it, it was and, – and even though we would, um, we would argue and complain with Dad about how much, how much better it would be for us to stay home and, and watch this together – yeah, at the same time, we knew even in the midst of arguing that our arguments were going to fall on on deaf ears. You know that that that, that wasn't going to be part of who we were as a family, and and so there was a, a, a preciousness to that my dad's consistency and his love for the family, but also his love for the church and and how those were never at variance with each other. I I really am uh, believe that that God uh, presented to me so much goodness and health through my dad and mom's commitment to the church. Art, what do you think about, you know, Rich said something that I think is good there too. Um, parents sometimes want to protect their children from suffering or from difficulty. What are some things that a, that a parent who's trying to protect their child from any sort of difficulty or suffering, what are some things that they're depriving their child of in, in terms of learning things through through difficulty, through ministering the local church, what what are some examples of, of benefits to yeah. suffering in the life of a child? Well, I think for one, suffering teaches us to rely on the Lord, to uh, reach out to Him. Um, it also avails us of the ability once we've experienced that suffering and the closeness of God through it, to then turn and minister to others within the local church uh, who are experiencing something similar to perhaps what we've suffered before. And so it opens up uh, uh, being connected and and integrated into the local church body helps our children to learn to suffer uh, to to serve and, and to to uh, walk with others through the hardships of life. That's really good. I think sometimes we are tempted to view our children as uh, an end instead of a means. I mean, even our children are a means by which God can be glorified. As we think about in the context of children in the in the church, sometimes we think church exists for the children. You know, we need a church that has the the right children's program. It's got to have an Awana program with this many leaders, and the Sunday school needs to have this many fun activities for my my children to do. But but you know, the church doesn't exist for the child. That the child exists for the for the for the glory of God, and and one of the means through through which the, a child can glorify God is is service in in the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I remember uh, how again my parents would would take us and we'd set up chairs in the church and we, we would uh, stuff stuff envelopes uh, from the time we were little. We we recognized this is an important part mm-hmm. of of our purpose for living. Um, it's not just receiving, but it's an important part part of our purpose for living. And you know, it's 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 through the the context of the church again that was reinforced all those things my parents taught me at home and in often very dramatic ways because I think we we listen to different voices differently, you know, and and mm-hmm. to hear different voices teach the gospel, teach about sin, teach about scripture, teach about heaven, teach about hell, teach about faith, teach about obedience, all these things. It, it was it was a great joy to hear so many different voices 
express the same truth because yeah. we're all looking to the same same book. Let, let, let's talk about the different voices because one of the mm-hmm. as we think about the family and church, you know, I was a youth pastor at, at Bethany Baptist Church, and one of the things that uh, some parents were concerned with is that they believe that the that they were the ones who were in charge of shepherding their children's spiritual lives, which, you know, that's the premise. We both agree with that. But their application of that premise was that um, age-segregated environments undermined their ability to shepherd their children and also um, put them in, in, in situations where they, they weren't being shepherded well. Um, you're speaking yeah. of different voices. Yep. So how, how does how does this well, show well, well, certainly that could happen. You know, it, to, to say right. the potential of having that happen in a church, uh, I'm sure it does happen. <laughs> For instance, in youth groups, perhaps more than any other, where where a church may have a very entertainment view of their ministry. So. So the the whole goal is for children to like being there. In order to accomplish that goal, we're we're just going to create an enter, entertainment view. And and I see very very little value to to a church ministry to teens uh, that that has that perspective. So it's possible that that could happen. But with that said, um, well, you know, I, I am so thankful for the the youth ministry in in our church for my 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 children. It's not that I've abdicated teaching them. We we teach them and. And and talk with them about scripture uh, all the time through their growing up years, but uh, oftentimes I've been so thankful for that my children first have had other voices, you know, both lay people as well as um, those who are hired by the church to teach them the same lessons I was teaching at home, because I knew that my my children would listen differently. There would be different illustrations, mm-hmm. different applications. There'd be reinforcement, and then there'd be questions coming back. Um, but also to have a a, a a peer influence where uh, they were interacting with others their own age who were uh, struggling with the same exact kind of temptations in the same exact settings was so very helpful um, uh, so that so that together the you know my kids' experience was that together we're we're going to obey Christ and and they would talk about that and they would pray for one another. Um, it's been a special my youngest son. Jackson, for instance, uh, just had a friend who was in a car accident, and and so I was able to listen in as, as Jackson called him up at the hospital and prayed over him, mm-hmm. and and uh, to hear that young man then affirm his faith in Christ through through this and through the injury that he experienced, just very special, you know, which all would not have been possible mm-hmm. uh, had we cloistered our my had I cloistered my son and without a context of being connected in a spiritual way to to other friends peers. That's good. You know, as we've talked about um, relationships within the family, we've talked about authority structures over the children. How should the family view the authority structure of the local church in their own life? What are some passages that help us to see the importance of the local church and its authority over the families? Well, I think a a wise parent is going to be very careful in how they respond to the authority of the church because— and the way they respond to the people that God has has placed in authority over them is teaching their their children about about how they should respond to their authority. So, you know, the writer of Hebrews says, "Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their life and imitate their faith." And I think a, a wise parent says, "You know what? As as a family, we're going to be careful about how we talk about those who are in leadership in the church. We're going to be careful about how we support them. We're going to to be very." 
affirming in, in the way that we uh, talk about them. That doesn't mean we're going to, if they're wrong on an issue, we're going to say, well, I guess, I guess they're right. We're going to be biblical. Uh, Hebrews. Bereans, yeah. We're going to be Bereans. Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And so demonstrating to your children, you know, hey, this is what it looks like to be a, a a joyful member of the church, a, a member of the church that, that leaders are just so excited to see. I mean, there are, there are people, there are, you know, there's so many people in the church when I see them and their family uh, coming into the, the church offices or coming into the, the place where we worship the community center. Like, I'm just so excited. Like there's just a joy that I, I have when I see them because I know how much they love the church and how they're demonstrating that love and how they treat me and my family and the other leaders. And I think that's what you want to strive for as, as you, you talk about the church with your children. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that Hebrews passage is, it has, it has a very interesting phrase at at the end, you know, it it talks about them keeping watch over your souls, that that's uh, their accountability before God. And then it says, let them Mm -hmm. do this with joy and not with groaning. (laughs) Uh, what what are some ways that uh, a family, parents, children might uh, keep or hinder uh, these spiritual leaders from having joy and instead groan underneath the weight of watching over their soul? Well, I think uh, it's helpful, again, to remember that a leader of a church is not uh, just one that's infused uh, by God with authority, but they're also called shepherds, right? And so um, there's this uh, right uh, dispensing of that role in serving and watching over and caring for. And so one of the things that would cause shepherds, leaders to groan is um, just uh, unwillingness to abide by scriptural teachings yeah. at the local level and then how that actually hurts and plays out in the family and, and the need to come in and come alongside. And it, it, it can be burdensome to see that, boy, we we were trying to lead you in this way, but uh, the outcome was that you didn't listen, and yeah. now we're hurting for you. A lot of families have demands about the types of ministries they think should be in place at the church. Um, it, I can remember one of the most encouraging things to me as as a youth leader was uh, we went over to uh, Bob and Marky Castle's house when we first became the youth pastor. Pretty pretty quickly after that, and they kind of laid out a. Hey, here's some ideas we have for the youth ministry. And I was starting to get a little bit, oh man, that's a lot of ideas. I don't know. And then they said, and here's how we'd like to help. Mm, you know, here's, yeah. here's how we want to do it. And right. it was that just like this huge, it, it? Yeah, yeah, it was just like a huge weight lifted off. Me. Sure. Like, oh, man, that's not only are these good ideas, but sure. we're going to be able to do these things. And it was, it was awesome. a big excitement for me. Yeah. You know, uh, oh, when I was uh, youth pastoring in Texas, there was one family in particular that, that really did not like me. Uh, and I came increasingly aware of, of how much they didn't like me. But but they had a, a teenager um, who was a junior in high school. They also had a little a little girl. I think she was only two, maybe three years old. And uh, and we were at a kind of a church social event, and this little girl was near me. And I, I came and said, hey, sweetie, how you doing? And she looked at me, and she got this really mean look on her face. And she says, I hate you. And I thought, uh-oh, <laughs> you know, I just, I've never talked to this little two- or three-year-old before. But evidently, you know, it was, it was apparent to me that this family had talked a good bit about, uh, you know, my uh, 
my weaknesses, we'll say. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, I, I, it still stands out to me because I was so discouraged about that, going mm-hmm. home that a little two- or three-year-old would have such a negative response as a result. And it was kind of this issue of it was hard to shepherd then with, without groaning, you know, mm-hmm. underneath the weight of that. Well, one other issue I, I thought uh, would be worthwhile because I think it happens so often is there's a, let's say, a, a teenager in the family really likes the youth group. And they really want to come, and and they're excited about that. And then uh, the teenager does something at home that uh, uh, is uh, disobedient, displeasing the parents. Um, and the and the parents, you know, are looking for some way to discipline their children, something that that uh, to take away from them that that they enjoy. And so they say, you know, for the next month, uh, we're not going to let you go to youth group. Mm. Uh, what what would you say about that particular decision uh, regarding parents on? On discipline of their children, using that positive view of youth ministry as sort of a, a means right. to take away in order to right. bring about a godly effect. Well, we, we talked in our last session about what is the goal of discipline. Okay, and so our goal is to, or, or as we shepherd, it's to instruct and it's to discipline. So we want to teach what's right, and we want to uh, correct when wrong, and we want to use uh, things that will help. You know, we want the the discipline to fit the disobedience, and so if. My child is a person who's who's stolen, who's, who's distributed tendencies of a thief. I want them to work to to, uh, uh, to to make restitution and things like that. So I would say um, the 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 discipline that that parent is trying to invoke doesn't fit the disobedience and doesn't help them with their overall goal of trying to instruct their their child. And so I would encourage them, hey, let's let's think about what did they do. And what does the Bible say about how do you how do you put off that behavior, and what should you put on as a result? And and if it was you know if it was back talking to your parents, let's let's talk about some ways to to instruct them, and in, and in maybe they need to memorize some scripture about what it looks like to 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 use your words with grace. Yeah, that's good. Well, <clears throat> we're at the end of our time here, and uh, we realize that we've raised issues and topics, uh, talked about topics that can only bring on more questions perhaps and so we want to know want you to know that we make ourselves available to you and and other leaders within our local churches and so uh again uh go to the website uh find contact information uh we uh graciously uh offer biblical counseling um and uh so we can help in any of the areas that Uh, You may be struggling or have questions in the uh, family relationships. Thanks for letting us be part of your drive time, and uh, we hope you'll join us again for Revive the Drive.